Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the playoffs now a distant memory and pride being the only thing left to play for, our beloved hit the road to take on the Vikings, looking to end a losing streak in Minnesota dating all the way back to 2010. Can the Bears avenge their earlier loss, or will the losing streak continue? Chris Gase from SB Nation's Daily Norseman joins us on the Week 15 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. left to go in the 2015 season and with our beloved at five and eight 2016 is what we have to look forward to what's going on everybody larry d back for the week 15 preview episode of the chicago bears review and as i said we're going to have our good friend uh, chris gates from dailynorseman.com on sb nation uh, on the show a little bit later on to talk about the bears and vikings uh, talked a few other things um you know, does does he want to move the team back indoors into this, you know, state of the art facility that they're going to be playing in uh, next year or, you know, because it's very old school for the Vikings to be playing outdoors. As a matter of fact, uh, the Vikings haven't made it to a Super Bowl since they moved indoors. All of their all of their Super Bowl visits, which ended at Super Bowl 11 uh, when they played the, the Oakland Raiders back to Super Bowl 11, the last uh, four trips that Minnesota had made. Uh, to the big game uh, was all prior to the to the Metrodome uh, and such. So uh, you know maybe it's uh, something they need to do: is stick uh, stay outdoors if they want to get back to Super Bowl. But uh, we'll have to uh, wait and see on that one. They open up TCA or US Bank Stadium next year in 2016. So that's uh, I'm, I definitely want to make a trip and, and see that place uh, in person because uh, so far my my current favorite NFL stadium because. I know you guys are going to kill me when I tell you this, but I have not been to the new Soldier Field. I have not been. Not I have not been to Soldier Field since 1994. It was a Bears Eagles preseason game, and uh, this was obviously long before uh, they tore the old one down and pulled the new one up. I haven't seen the inside of uh, of the new Soldier Field, even though it's been in operation since 2003. So. The, the Bears games that I've been to over the last few years have all been uh, on the road. So I have not seen the Bears play in Soldier Field. So my current favorite uh, stadium uh, to see a football game in is actually Lucas Oil in Indianapolis, uh, where the Colts play, where I hope to see the Bears play next year uh, because my good friend Ryan Simmons, who has been on this show a few times, is a season ticket holder for the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, hoping that, uh, you know, and he's got two seats, so I'm hoping that I can uh, – talk him into letting me uh you know either have the tickets or talk him into taking me with him 
when he goes to see the Bears and the Colts next year. So hopefully that's uh, something that I can make happen uh, next season. But nonetheless, we still got some games to talk about this year. Uh, this game in particular with the Vikings uh, on Sunday. Interesting matchup. Uh, the Vikings looking to uh, are on a three out of they've they've lost three out of their last four, uh, and and you know it's it's kind of uh, the three losses have been to uh, Seattle, Arizona, and Green Bay. Ironically, the first three losses that the Bears had uh, this year, they played those three teams in four weeks uh, this year, and um, you know lost all three. And and the thing that makes it interesting that they lost those games was that it was an opportunity for the Vikings, who are in the playoffs right now. If the season were to end today, the Vikings, I think, would be the sixth seed uh, going into the playoffs, uh, which means I think they would actually play Green Bay in the uh, in the wild card round. Three and six um, matches up in the first round of the playoffs, but um, you know, nonetheless, uh, it. it uh, you know, they're in the playoffs right now, and, you know, right around when they lost that first game to Green Bay, right before Green Bay played the Bears on Thanksgiving, um, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was in Minnesota. It was an opportunity for Green Bay to make a statement, to kind of put their stamp on the NFC North. They were in the, div- they were in the division lead by themselves, by a game. They had a game on Green Bay going into that one. And like I said, they had an opportunity to put their stamp on the division, they would have had not not only would they have had the head-to-head victory over Green Bay, but it would have given them a two-game lead going into uh, you know the final quarter uh, of the season. And instead, they lose the game uh, to the Packers, uh, like thirty to thirteen. It was it wasn't a close game at all, uh, and you know the, the, they were tied record-wise, but having lost the um, head-to-head. We're now behind Green Bay uh, in the lead for the uh, for the division, and then the same thing with playing Seattle. They had Seattle at home, lost gloriously, thirty-eight to seven in that one. And then last Thursday, they played Arizona on Thursday Night Football, a much closer football game, twenty-three to twenty. So far more competitive, but again, a chance to kind of put themselves out there by beating one of the uh, one of the elite in the NFC. And coming up short all three times. So, I mean, at, at the very least, at, at this point, that I think the Vikings are definitely a, a Tier 2 team uh, in the NFC, not quite ready to make that big leap. Maybe they're a year uh, or so away. We'll talk about that with Chris and get his opinions, his thoughts on, on uh, you know, what he thinks of this, uh, this current three-out-of-four-game three, three out of four game skid that the Vikings are on and, and why he thinks it's happening. And, um, you know, so maybe we're still a year away from the Vikings being able to make that step or, you know, maybe this is uh, maybe the Vikings are going to be like the Lions where next year they don't make another progressive step. They don't step forward. They step back uh, and so on. So we'll have to see what uh, what happens with that. Um, You know, I I look forward to this game um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Bears Vikings have always been fun games. Uh, in my opinion, I mean anybody who can remember back to the late '80s uh, and such, with uh, with when Ditka was still the coach, and you know Minnesota had a hell of a football team uh, back then as well. The Bears and the Vikings were always one and two in total defense. They were always the best, the two best defenses in the league. So it was always the two of them battling for first place in the old NFC Central. 
uh, the, you know, the Packers and the Buccaneers and the Lions were never really in the discussion at that point in time. It was either the Bears or the Vikings that were going to take the division. So their battles were epic. Um, you know, I really, really liked watching those games. Uh, playing in the Metrodome was always hell. Uh, for the Bears and vice versa for the Vikings in Soldier Field. It's kind of always been that way. And if tradition holds, then obviously the Bears are going to have a difficult time winning on Sunday. However, tradition was broken earlier this year when the Vikings beat the Bears in Chicago. So hopefully this is, uh, as you heard me say in the open, hopefully the Bears can break the streak of losing, uh, you know, uh, what, four or five consecutive games out there since the since they concussed Brett Favre and put him out of his misery back in 2010 the Bears have not won a game in Minnesota since then so it's been a been a few years since they did it and um, you know it'd be a nice time uh, a good time for the Bears to get a victory considering the way that we've lost the last two to kind of uh, (laughs) to to bring the uh, not so faithful Bear fan back into the fold for the last two if we get a big win over the Vikings and uh, you know make us care about those last two games uh, against uh, Tampa Bay uh, and Detroit. So, uh, you know, not to mention the fact that uh, quietly the Bears are a 4-2 and two road team this year, having only lost to, uh, to Seattle and um, Detroit on the road so far this year. The Bears have won road games in Kansas City, at San Diego, at St. Louis, and at Green Bay. That was the last road game that we had was, was Thanksgiving night in Green Bay. And, and here we are almost a full month later uh, going back on the road for the first time in December and, uh, you know, seeing if we can't make it 5-2 and two on the road this year. I mean, that's a hell of a building block. If you can figure out how to win games on the road, which is supposed to be the more difficult of the two, then it's just a matter of shoring things up at home, which, you know, I'm sure an easier schedule will help out with that. You know, when you when you start out the year, your first two home games are Green Bay and Arizona. That's going to make things tough. And when you're also playing, you know, Denver and Minnesota, who's on an upturn year, you know, that's those are tough. (laughs) You know, we had a tough home schedule uh, this year, which is why I was so looking forward to the San Francisco, Washington back to back uh, homestand because. Those were much easier games than Denver or Minnesota or Arizona or Green Bay uh, and such. So, I mean, that's what made those losses so disappointing, not only because of the way we lost them, but that just like these were supposed to be easier games for us. These were supposed to be games that we won that were supposed to help, you know, pad our win total as we try to to, to make a run at the playoffs. However uh, improbable it may have been uh, starting at 0-3, the Bears had a real shot at it going into that into those games it's virtually non-existent now mathematically not eliminated yet but pretty much it would take an absolute miracle for the bears to make the playoffs uh at this point so but you know we got the the next two on the road at minnesota at tampa bay if we win them both we'll be six and two on the road this year not to mention we'd be ending the season on a four-game winning streak on the road which would be outstanding so uh you know, if that's something that the Bears could put together on a consistent basis and then we just figure out how to put some victories together in Chicago, then it's, you know, that's going to there, there's going to be some January football if you can figure that out. So that's, uh, you know, that could be a decent building block that, um, you know, we were able to, to, to perform well on the road. So now it's just a matter of getting things straightened out 
uh, at home, which is generally the easier of the two, more typically it is anyway, that teams have more success at home than they do uh, on the road. The Bears get that figured out. And, uh, you know, I mean, just if we were 6-2 and two on the road and only 4-4 four and four at home, we're still 10-6. and six. That's generally 10 wins to get you in the playoffs. So, uh, you know. But anyway, what ifs and, you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas and, and what have you aside, I'm uh, looking forward to this game. So uh, injury-wise, it's uh, looking better uh, this week. Um, uh, Bryce Callahan, we really did miss him last week. He's been uh, very good for us, uh, especially in the Nichols uh, situation. Um, heard a quadricep in practice last week, still nursing the injury. Hasn't practiced yet on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Sherrick McManus uh, came down with concussion, with like late uh, concussion effects or um, symptoms after the game on Sunday and is on concussion uh, protocol for the NFL. He hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, the good news is Pernell McPhee has been practicing. He's still limited, but he's been practicing this week, as has uh, Tracy Porter and Will Sutton, both limited with ankle and knee injuries, uh, respectively. Uh, Zach Miller didn't practice yesterday on Wednesday, but he did practice today uh, on Thursday. And I think Alshon Jeffrey missed practice today with an illness, so maybe he he caught a bug. Uh, tis the season, so uh, not exactly uh, surprised to hear that. Um, the uh, the headlining names on the injury report for the um, Vikings, uh, Anthony Barr, uh, their number one pick from a year ago, hasn't practiced this week with a groin and hand injury. Um, Everson Griffin, one of the, their star defensive end, uh, has been nursing a shoulder injury, has not practiced yet this week. Charles Johnson, uh, the wide receiver that caught the big 35-yard pass that got them into field goal range in week number eight, uh, has uh, had an ankle injury. He was, wasn't was on the injury report Wednesday, did not practice today, so maybe it was another one of those got hurt in practice deals uh, on Wednesday. Linval Joseph, the defensive end, uh, Forum didn't practice yesterday, was limited today with a foot injury. And Harrison Smith, who's been out of the lineup the last few weeks, uh, as you hear Chris Gates will talk about him a bit, it's uh, trending that, uh, that, uh, that Harrison Smith will most likely play against the Bears uh, on Sunday, has had a combination of knee and hamstring uh, injuries, has been limited in practice uh, so far in the first two days uh, this week. Uh, no other real uh, headlines uh, this this uh, this week, uh, other than uh, uh, Matt Slauson being named the winner of the Good Guy Award, uh, voted the uh, by the Chicago chapter of the Professional Football Writers of America. Basically, the Football Writers of America, the Chicago chapter, are electing Matt Slauson their favorite player to talk to. Um, you know, the, basically the. Uh, transparency i guess between the two of them uh dan pompey who was the vice president of the pro football's writers association called the bears guard and i quote a great example for young players to follow who does everything right and is a who does everything the right way and is a pros pro uh i'm sure uh ryan pace and john fox with like a whole locker room full of matt slawson's and i would think and i think we as in the writers would like a whole locker room full of matt slawson's too so you know, Matt Slauson uh, being a popular guy, this is not the first time he's won uh, this award. He won it back in New York in 2011 when he played for the uh, for the Jets. So this is only the third annual 
uh, Chicago Award, the last two recipients being Josh McCown in 2013. Not a big surprise there because that was Josh McCown's year in Chicago. And then Ryan Mundy won it last year in 2014. So um, that's pretty much it. There haven't been any big, you know, roster moves or anything like that. Nothing that was going to blow your hair back. Nobody put on injured reserve that I didn't tell you guys about uh, on Tuesday when I did the review show. Uh, or anything so i guess that's gonna be it so uh yeah so that that's gonna do it for this uh so what do you say we go ahead and dive into our talk with chris gates from the daily norseman talking bears vikings week number 15 all right and as we enter into our week 15 preview we want to welcome back our good friend from the daily norseman on sb nation chris gates a fan of the minnesota vikings unfortunately but a good man nonetheless chris welcome back to the chicago bears review uh what can i say larry not everyone's perfect but uh, you know we all do what we can with what we have you know, we, we try and that's all you can do and that that's all i ask chris because that's a try so um, we do it has been an interesting stretch uh since we last met uh the vikings unfortunately uh, for us Bear fans, broke their Soldier Field uh, losing streak um, on November the 1st, winning 23-20 to with a, a, is it Matt Walsh field goal? It's Matt Walsh. Uh, Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh, sorry. Blair Walsh uh, field goal as time expired to win the game 23-20 to over our beloved Chicago Bears. And it really just looked like that streak was going to continue entering the fourth quarter, and then Bridgewater and, and company kind of took over there at the end. Yeah, they, it was interesting. I mean, I think we all pretty much expected another loss, and you know, they uh, they got the touchdown pass from Bridgewater to Diggs, and we had to give the ball back to the Bears. And I think everyone just kind of assumed that the uh, Bears would end up running out the clock, and wound up not happening. And you know, we got the ball back, and you know, uh, yeah, wound up breaking that uh, streak that went back to two thousand seven since the uh, the last time we had won in Chicago. So that's uh, that was always a pretty nice feeling to have. Yeah, the the infamous uh, Adrian Peterson coming out party, where he he mm-hmm. set the the Bears franchise record for yards given up to an opponent uh, in that one, and uh, a real exciting game if you remember that one. The Bears actually tied it up with uh, you know less than a minute to go and an eighty plus yard touchdown pass to Devin Hester to tie things up before Peterson nearly ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. No idea why we kicked it to him after the day that he was having, but he nearly ran it back, and then a couple of plays later, a uh, field goal as time expires. So I guess that's the only way you guys can win in Chicago is if you can kick the winning field goal and then get it right on the bus and get out of town. Uh, the, you know, that's how you win in Chicago. No, pretty much. I mean, you know, the, the wins all count the same, whether you win by three or whether you win by 30. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll take it and we'll go home. And, you know, it, like you said, it doesn't happen often that the Vikings win in Chicago, but – it happened this time, and you know, we're pretty uh, we're pretty happy about all that. Well, the win in Chicago was dead center in the middle of a five-game winning streak. You won two going in, and you won two more against the Rams and the Raiders. After that, since then, the Vikings have been on a have lost three out of four, and the only game that they've won over the last month has been uh, against the Falcons, who have severely fallen off since that 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 awesome five and zero start that they had. They are what one and eight or something like that since then. 
they're one and seven. One and since seven, that yeah. Game. One and seven. Down from five and zero to six and seven. Right. So that's where they're sitting right now. Uh, going from being, it's like, man, this is going to be an interesting two horse race between Carolina and Atlanta to all of a sudden it's a one horse race and you know, it's, it's not even a competition, uh, over there, but those three losses coming against green Bay against Seattle, uh, against Arizona, some of the tougher competition that ironically is how the bears earned their first three losses, uh, of the season. Cause those are our first three games. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, you know, you kind of expect that. I mean, you don't want to see them lose to Seattle the way they did, where they just got absolutely whooped for four quarters. And, you know, they went into the Arizona game without their three best defenders, and everyone expected, uh, I personally expected that game to be worse than the Seattle game, and they hung in right to the end pretty much, which uh, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, had four rookies starting on the defensive side of the ball. Three of them were making their first NFL starts. And yeah, they hung in with one of the uh, the best teams in the league, much to uh, our surprise. And uh, you know, hopefully, even though they lost, that can give them a little bit of momentum going forward for the rest of the year. You know, I I, I wanted to to get your opinion on something regarding those three losses. It's it to me, you know, everyone was was kind of picking the Vikings coming into the season, kind of that what everyone likes to call their sexy pick. There's there's at least one every year where someone who didn't make the playoffs last year, a lot of experts think they're primed, they're poised to to do so this year. Now, right now you guys are, I think, six behind uh, Seattle right now because yeah. of the tiebreaker. But you're in the playoffs right now. You're eight and five, three games left to go. You have Chicago, the Giants, and then the Packers. Uh, so reasonable to think that you could probably snag two out of three there. Uh, at least I would think and you know I, I just going into those into those games especially the one against Green Bay um, when I when I was talking to Ron and Kyle from Football is America about the game I, I kind of thought that that was going to be Minnesota's coming out party or it, 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 it was setting itself up to be anyway you're on this five game winning streak you're at home against Green Bay who was struggling mightily uh, at the time they were on a three-game losing streak coming into that game and it just kind of felt like Green Bay kind of said to Minnesota, said to you guys, not yet. Not yet, or at least not this year. And then, you know, you had a chance to answer the bell a couple weeks later against Seattle. Same thing. I mean, these are the perennial teams that you're going to have to beat if you want to get someplace special this year. Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle, all three uh, losses and just kind of want to get your opinion on you know Minnesota having the chance to kind of make a statement to, to put themselves out there saying we are upper, upper echelon of the NFC and coming up short all three times. Well I, I understand where you're coming from you know a lot of people were picking the Vikings to be you know one of the teams that had, had an opportunity to make the playoffs after not making it last year but on the other side of that coin this is still a really young football team for the most part I mean, I know Adrian Peterson is 30 and uh, a couple of the other guys are a little older, but for the most part, this is still a pretty young football team. And, uh, you know, they just lost to uh, some more veteran teams, uh, teams like Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona. Uh, They have players that have kind of been there and done all that. And, you know, this team, a lot of us seem to think is kind of a year ahead of schedule. Uh, we thought they might have had the opportunity to compete for the postseason this year and maybe sneak their way in. Uh, now it would take kind of a complete falling apart for them not to make it. Right. 
But, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of pointing towards 2016 with this team and expecting them to really be uh, one of the top teams in the conference next year. So they're they're kind of a year ahead of schedule from what I think everyone expected them to be. And, you know, moments like the Green Bay game, the Seattle game, uh, you know, it, it might have been a little too big for them uh, at the time. But, uh, you know, it's something that these younger players can learn from and carry forward and uh, hopefully build on uh, for the rest of this season and into next year. So going into that uh, that Green Bay game, it was a home game. How confident were you? I mean, were you, did you think that you guys would, would win that game? Were you confident that you'd be able to take advantage of Green Bay's struggles? Or were you worried about Aaron Rodgers coming into town on a three-game losing streak? Well, I mean, you always have to be worried about Rodgers because, you know, he is who he is and he's pretty much owned uh, Minnesota for as long as he's been in the league. But, you know, I really thought they had the opportunity to uh, to kind of take advantage of the way Green Bay was playing because, you know, their, their offense wasn't functioning well. Uh, their defense, I don't think, had picked up a sack in three games uh, coming into the game against Minnesota, and they managed to get to Teddy Bridgewater six times. Um but yeah, I, I really thought that they'd be able to take advantage of that, and I, I don't know if it was the game plan was bad. If you know, pe- I, I know the Vikings got penalized a lot in that game after being one of the uh, least penalized teams in the league, but you know something just happened that night, and you know it just didn't go the way we were expecting or hoping. So, and and what happened in the in the in the Seattle game? Because um, that was that was the one where I was. I was. I thought Minnesota would win that game. I honestly did. I mean, and um, yeah, that 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 didn't happen, unfortunately. No, that and, that went just about as poorly as it could have. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it. You know, the Vikings still have trouble with the uh, the quarterbacks that can move around quite a bit. Uh, Russell Wilson made the uh, the defensive line look just crazy uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, it didn't help that both Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith went out uh, after the first defensive series of the game. Uh, you know, two of the top players in their positions in the league, they were already without Linvald Joseph uh, in that one. So, you know, they, they were having a lot of issues. They had personnel issues. But, you know, that's still no reason to go out and lose by, you know, 31 points at home right. to a team that hadn't been doing anything spectacular really prior to that so I'm, I'm sitting here and i'm looking at the the team rankings you know so far in the season and i'm seeing that you're a top five rushing team almost 132 yards a game but you're almost dead last in the league uh throwing the uh the football is is that a is that a pass blocking issue is that a receiver issue or is it a teddy bridgewater issue uh, I think Bridgewater is the least of our problems, to be honest. I mean, I think a lot of it falls on the offensive line. Uh, you know, guys, Matt Khalil has bounced back this season, you know, compared to what he had been. Uh, Joe Berger is one of the top centers in the league. Just looking at some of the uh, the pro football focus uh, stuff, he stepped in for John Sullivan and, you know, t- has turned into one of the better centers in the league by their grading system. But, you know, the other guys on the line – uh, Brandon Fusco, who they moved from right guard to left guard, has just dropped off a cliff uh, as far as his level of play. I don't know if the, the switch has affected him that much, but he has been uh, pretty bad this year for the most part. 
Uh, uh, TJ Clemmings wound up uh, getting kind of tossed into the fire when Phil Lodeholt got hurt. Uh, he's had his moments, but you know you can see why he was. They were kind of hoping he could caddy for Lodeholt this season and just kind of learn a little bit rather than being forced to start right away. Sure. And then there's the receivers. Uh, Mike Wallace had a stretch of five games where you know three of those games he didn't have any catches at all. Oh, wow. And the guy's making about ten million dollars a year. You can't make $10 million a year and have no catches in three different ball games. That's kind of ridiculous. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been nice, but, you know, uh, just haven't had a lot to work with. And some of it, I think, falls on North Turner, too, because you know, he knows his offensive line is terrible. And, you know, we've seen stats where the Vikings lead the league and having their quarterback take seven-step drops. And, you know, if you have a horrible offensive line like the Vikings have had this season you can't do that because you know your quarterback's going to get killed he's going to be running for his life and you know it makes it hard to to run a pass offense that way well it kind of leads into what I was going to ask you about next uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording here and there was an interesting article that I, of yours that I read about um and I think the, the reason that I read it was because it was uh, something to the line of, you know, the Vikings are going to have to choose between Bridgewater and Peterson. And when you broke down the article, well, well go ahead and tell everyone about the article. Well, basically, we are kind of trying to get into the predictability of the Vikings offense. I mean, the first few games of the season, they tried uh, running Adrian Peterson out of the shotgun. Uh, he wasn't very successful at it. Uh, he's been on record as saying that he likes to line up seven yards back and take handoffs and whatnot. And, you know, with the way Bridgewater has played, uh, he's clearly a much better quarterback. In my opinion, he's a much better quarterback when he has the opportunity to, uh, you know, take snaps out of the shotgun and not have guys crawling on him right away. But, you know, with Peterson having his preferences and, you know, what works better for Bridgewater. It's kind of like old school tech mobile, you know, where you get the guys out there and they line up a particular way and you're all of a sudden, Oh, they're, they're going to do this. And you know, it gets stopped and they come out in a different configuration. Oh, they're going to do this this time. And it ends up getting stopped again. It, It goes to the predictability of the offense because you know, if they're lined up under center and Peterson's seven yards back, they're going to hand him the ball. And if they're lined up in the shotgun and Peterson's not out there, they're going to throw the ball. And, you know, that's the most basic tell uh, you could come up with. And I think if the Vikings could be a little more varied, and they did that against Arizona where they were keeping Peterson in the game, you know, even in obvious passing situations, and the Cardinals couldn't key on things. And Bridgewater responded with his best game of the year. So, you know, it kind of kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. So I mean when I was when I was reading the article the statistics were pretty alarming actually. I mean I see that you know I'm I'm not sure what the numbers were specifically but you know Bridgewater's uh, you know when he's under center he's only got a couple hundred yards passing or something like that but when he's in the shotgun he's thrown for over 2000 yards and you know the touchdown to interception ratio is astronomical compared to what they are when you're under center and then mm-hmm. basically vice versa with with Peterson when he's running out of the shotgun uh he's only got maybe like 100 and 200 yards or something like that but he's the leading rusher in the NFL when you're when you're lining him up behind the the you know behind the running back in the old school you know uh style and handing him off the ball when he's got the seven yards to run before he hits the line of scrimmage Mm -hmm. and yeah like I kind of what we were going into in the article 
you know, at some point, I mean, I don't know if it's the offensive line or if it's more North Turner or whatever it is, but the way this team is configured, uh, they're, if they're going to continue catering to Peterson, then Bridgewater is probably not going to develop the way they want him to. And, you know, it's kind of thinking that, you know, Peterson's been in the league for nine years and he hasn't figured out how to run out of the shotgun. He's still not good at pass blocking and things like that. So, you know, it'd be easier for this team to try to build around the quarterback that just turned 23 years old <coughs> as opposed to the uh, the running bats going to turn 31 this offseason and uh, has quite a few miles on him already. So do you have a, a running back on the roster currently that would that fits better than Peterson? is, uh, or, or is that something that you guys might be looking for in the offseason? I actually think Jarek McKinnon would be pretty much the, the perfect fit in a uh, in an offense like this. I mean, he, he has no issues running out of the shotgun. He's a very good uh, pass-catching running back. Uh, he's had his issues in pass blocking as well, but he's a younger guy. He can probably figure that out, but he's a pretty uh, pretty phenomenal athlete from all his testing at the uh, scouting combine and whatnot. And I think if the Vikings did uh, part ways with Peterson and go to a more modern shotgun pistol-based kind of offense without him, I think McKinnon would be able to step in, and the Vikings really wouldn't lose very much. So, looking at the at the season, you know, overall, here we are. After this, there's only two games left uh, in the 2015 uh, campaign. Well, what are what are you what are you most happy with that you've seen from the team thus far? Is there anything that's exceeded expectations so far? Well, I, mean, I think we expected the Vikings' defense to be good this season in their second year under Mike Zimmer and uh, with some of the additions that came in in the draft and whatnot. But I I don't think anyone expected them to be quite this good uh, for most of the season. They've been a top-five defense in terms of points allowed. And like I said, the defense is still relatively young. Uh, you got guys like Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes and uh, Sharif Floyd. Uh, Linval Joseph is still relatively young, even though he's in his uh, sixth season in the NFL. And, you know, just the way that defense has come together and, you know, they've gotten off the field on third downs and they've been pretty solid all the way across the board for the most part, uh, with the exception of a couple of games that we've talked about already. But, you know, that that's probably the the thing that we've seen from the Vikings this year that makes me the uh, the most happy is the, uh, the way this defense has developed with all these uh, young players learning this uh, Mike Zimmer scheme. You know, I, I'm I'm wondering what this division is going to look like next year because I think that it could be the talk of the NFL next season. I really do because of the fact that our outer conference schedule are the two worst divisions in football this year. We get the AFC South and the NFC East next year. Both team, both divisions are most likely going to send a losing team as their division winner into the playoffs. Uh, this year and the way with the Vikings developing the progress that the Bears have made uh, and such this year and if the Packers are going to keep being who they are uh, the NFC North could be uh, a part of a much bigger discussion next year as far as the the future uh, of the NFL I believe and I, I think it's pretty hard to disagree with that because you know these teams are for the most part uh, trending in the right direction I mean even the Lions after they dumped their uh their offensive coordinator and went to old uh, Jim Bob 
or whatever his name is. They they looked like a totally different. I, I I just like the fact that there's a coach in our division named Jim Bob. Oh, it gets better, Chris. His last name is Cooter. Oh yeah, Coach Cooter. Yeah, Coach Cooter. Like the, the guy from the uh, the Dukes of Hazard that uh, that repaired the General. Yes, yes. As Bob Cooter, but uh, yeah, we we've got uh, the Lions kind of moving the right direction. Uh, the Bears are going to be interesting this off season because I mean I've. I'm not sure what direction they're going to be headed in. Uh, the Packers are always going to be an issue. And, yeah, Minnesota, uh, we're going to have probably the Adrian Peterson question again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but like you said, going into next season, looking at the schedule, it should be much softer than it was this year with, uh, you know, having to play both of the Western divisions, even though the AFC West hasn't been great this year or anything. But, uh yeah, it, it should be relatively interesting in uh, 2016. Absolutely, and and the Vikings moving into that, that brand-new stadium that I can't wait to see when they're finally uh, uh, finished with it. Um, you know, it's uh, – I I'm really am looking forward to seeing what that thing's going to look like when it's done. Well, the uh, the outside is basically done. I think they uh, I think they said the stadium is 80% completed and that the, uh, the exterior is finished. So they're just doing uh, all the stuff on the inside, uh, installing the seats, the scoreboards, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, it, it should be pretty phenomenal once it all gets uh, once it all gets put into place. So, I mean, are you going to miss the Vikings playing outdoors? Because that's definitely old school Minnesota in, in the old uh, uh, in the old stadium, and, and and you know the frigid temperatures and things like that. And they've been, I mean, granted they've been playing in a smaller stadium, only about forty thousand seats, the University of minnesota but it, it it was a return to the to the birth of the franchise playing outdoors and and things like that but now you're going to go back to the go back to the dome next year it, it's been interesting to to see it um i mean you know i'm still young enough where basically the uh, the entire outdoor era of the vikings was before my time right uh everything i remember from the vikings is from being in the metrodome and uh, now the last couple of years at tcf but, you know, it, it's been different watching them play home games outdoors. And, you know, it, it almost makes you wish they could have made that roof a retractable one. But yeah. the uh, the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota, I guess, didn't want to pay the extra expense for the retractable roof. So they kind of settled on the uh, the fixed configuration that they've come up with. But it when, it's still- a, when it's a billion dollars, what's another couple million? I mean, come on, really? Uh, eventually, you're going to start talking about real money once you you throw in a couple hundred million here and a couple hundred million there. Right. But <laughs> it, it's not it's not the Metrodome, and I I think that's what most people are going to be the uh, the most pleased about. Yeah, so this doesn't have an inflatable roof like the the Metrodome did, right? No, this is some kind of. It's not. I don't think it's. I, I don't want to say it's plastic because that makes it sound like you know some kind of Lego stadium right. or something. That. But it's some kind of plastic glass like material, and you know they've got it slanted so that the snow in the winter just kind of runs off and you know that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it's definitely a different kind of construction. They said it's the uh, the biggest roof uh, made of this particular material. It's some kind of acronym, and for the life of me, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. But yeah, it's some kind of glass plastic kind of hybrid sort of thing that. Uh, yeah, it, it's heated, so the snow will just slide off and melt off, and yeah, we won't have any of the issues that we had. Uh, can't believe it's been five years since the uh, the roof of the Metrodome caved in. Yeah, so, yeah, it's and, been five years. Yeah, almost to the day, actually. 
Um, yeah, I remember because uh, I mean I know that the Bears weren't the first game that they were. I think they ended up playing a game in Detroit. Yeah, they they, like they were supposed to play the Giants that weekend, and right. they wound up in on a Monday night at Ford Field, and then they they had the Bears game at TCF. And then they had a game in Philadelphia that got moved from Monday night to Tuesday night because of bad weather in Philly. Wow. And then they had to play in Detroit again uh, to finish the season against uh, against the Lions. So, yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, I bet. Um, so as we kind of, you know, let's turn our focus back on on the uh, on the game here. What's you, you said you guys were banged up uh, last week against the uh, the Cardinals, particularly in the secondary. Who's who's hurt? Who's on the bubble? Who 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 might we expect not to play this Sunday? Well, last week uh, we were missing both Harrison Smith and Andrew Sandejo. Uh, they're usually the starting safeties. Uh, we wound up starting Terrence Newman at one safety spot, and uh, Anthony Harris, who got called up from the practice squad a whole forty-eight hours earlier, uh, was the other starting safety. Uh, for backup, we'd signed Sean Prater, who uh, was with the team in the preseason and in uh, 2014. Uh, they released him earlier this week, so I think that's a good sign for at least one of uh, Sendejo or Smith coming back. Uh, I think Sendejo's already been practicing. Uh, Smith, along with Anthony Barr and Linval Joseph, were both, uh, or they were all sitting out uh, Tuesday's kind of walkthrough session. And we're keeping an eye on that to see if those three guys uh, who all missed the Arizona game are going to end up playing on uh, on Sunday. Hopefully they will be. So what is it that, I mean, just like scheme-wise, uh, if you can, you know, uh, remember, you know, what is it that, that Green Bay, Seattle, and, and Arizona were able to do against that defense you guys have that the other eight solar opponents that uh, – that you had because going into the you know you're on the two game losing streak and before then you'd won you know what seven out of eight mm-hmm. uh, going into that uh, stretch. So what was it that the you know those teams were able to figure out that other teams weren't? Well, Green Bay once again was not being able to keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket and you know letting him kind of move around and wait for guys to get open. Uh, same thing with Russell Wilson; he just kind of. You know, he got out of trouble when he needed to, made the throws he needed to make. Uh, the Arizona game, uh, the secondary actually played relatively well, I thought, given the number of different bodies they had out there uh, as opposed to normal. But, uh, you know, there were just a couple of miscommunications on a couple of plays. Uh, the Michael Floyd touchdown, uh, there was a tight end cutting through the middle of the field, and three guys jumped that route. Uh, for whatever reason, and left kind of, kind of left Michael Floyd and Larry Fitzgerald all by themselves, and uh, you know Floyd caught the pass, and Fitzgerald flattened Anthony Harris on the way to the end zone, and you know a lot of that had to do with miscommunication and a lot of youth and inexperience, but uh, you know if we can get Harrison Smith back, that would be huge for the uh, for the secondary, even though you know the guys that were out there acquitted themselves fairly well, I thought. How have you guys been against the run uh, so far this year on on defense? They they've had games where they've gotten you know pushed around quite a bit. Uh, San Francisco in the opener uh, kind of had their way on the ground against them. Uh, Eddie Lacy had one of his you know two good games a season uh, against them in uh, Minnesota. 
And uh, Seattle, you know, Seattle runs the ball quite a bit, and they had no trouble against the uh, the Vikings without Linval Joseph in the middle. Uh, for the most part against the run, they've been average, I think, maybe slightly below average at times. But, uh, you know, for, for what they've had out there as far as uh, injury uh, issues and things like that, I think they've done about as well as could be expected. All right, so now as we wrap things up here um... – uh, Chris, uh, just, you know, I really am, you know, it was excited about this year, you know, for the Vikings, um, just because I'm, I need somebody besides Green Bay winning this division. I mean, I really do. Uh, just we so all, sick we of besides Green Bay winning this division. Just, so sick of it if it can't be us at least it can't be green bay you know yes. like god forbid even if we had to suffer through detroit being the champion at least it wasn't green bay i think we could all use a break uh from that um looks like we're at least a year off from that um um you know but overall you guys would rate this season you know going into the final stretch here as a success wouldn't you i i think so at this point i mean you know like i said earlier uh People thought this season that the Vikings might be able to get into the playoffs as a wild card, uh, you know, and like I, a lot of people were kind of pointing towards uh, 2016 for when this team was really going to take off. So, you know, for them to be uh, where they are now and play the way they've played this year, it's actually been uh, been a pretty nice surprise, I think. Okay, so Sunday going into it, um, what are you thinking that, that Minnesota needs to do in order to win? Um, I think you know they kind of need to put the uh, the same sort of game plan together that they had against Arizona. Uh, they were a little more unpredictable. Uh, they still gave Peterson the ability to run quite a bit, but you know they had more uh, quick passes, not the huge seven step drops. To try to wing it deep type of passes. Uh, they just need to be more unpredictable offensively. Kind of keep Chicago off balance. Keep them honest. And, you know, defensively, uh, the big thing is going to be, you know, Alshon Jeffrey seems to kill this team every time he plays them. Uh, and, you know, with the Bears' injury concerns, I'm not even sure who else you guys have left at wide receiver at this point. I know Eddie Royal, I think, is out, and uh, Marquez, Marquise Wilson, uh, I think you guys just put him on injured reserve. But We did, yeah. we, we Wilson is done. Uh, Kevin White, our first-round pick, was uh, – Basically, we're, this was the week we were supposed to decide whether or not we are going to let him play at all this year. We've shut him down for the season, so he's not going to play it down uh, right. this year. Eddie Royal was healthy last week. He played against Washington. He was virtually non-existent out there, but he played. Uh, we still have Josh Bellamy. We have Mark Mariani, who's been surprising. Uh, he's been kind of like our Wes Wilker, across-the-middle kind of guy that uh, nobody's paying attention to until he gashes you for 25 yards. Uh, kind of thing he, he only gets about two catches a game but they all tend to be for like anywhere from 15 to 20 yard uh, completions whenever he he does and then Zach Miller taking over from Martellus Bennett who's done for the year with a rib injury those that's our passing offense right now I mean it's nowhere near what the Bears wanted it to be going into the season but Cutler is is doing wonders with the uh with the skeleton crew that he's got in the passing game this year yeah and but like I said the the big fish uh for, for the Bears on offense is uh, is Jeffrey in the yeah. passing game because you know we, we match Xavier Rhodes up against him and you know Rhodes does what he can and he's had a couple of decent games against Jeffrey but you know Jeffrey's gonna get his catches he's gonna make one or two catches a game that'll make you go how the heck did he catch that ball 
uh, that kind of thing. And, you know, they're going to have to keep an eye on Matt Forte as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think that if the, uh, the Vikings can harass uh, Jay Cutler quite a bit, um, he's kind of he, – Cutler had a nice stretch in the middle of the season there, but he's kind of seemingly come back down to earth a little bit, I think. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can uh, they can keep things going against uh, this Bears offense and, you know, come out with a win in this one and keep us from uh, from sweating over the uh, the playoff race a little bit. Right. All right. Well, I think that will do it uh, for us this time around. Uh, Chris, looking forward to the game on Sunday. It's always exciting when the Bears and the Vikings, you can – there's also one of those games where you can throw the – throw the record books out because they tend to be battles uh, regardless of how the season is going for for either team so I, I always look forward to to playing the the Vikings especially in Minnesota very hostile territory uh, mm-hmm. for the Bears yep and uh yeah like you said the records really don't matter here uh the Bears I mean even if they might be just playing for pride at this point they'd love to screw things up for Minnesota a little bit and you know the Vikings want to try to solidify things as early as they can and you know, it'll, it'll be an interesting matchup. It always is. Looking to break the streak because I don't think the Bears have won in Minnesota since they beat the Vikings in 2010, the game that got moved uh, outdoors. So uh, hopefully this this will be, for us anyway, the year of breaking streaks in this matchup. <laughs> you guys broke your loss, losing streak in Soldier Field. We'll break ours in, in uh, Minnesota and see how it all shakes out after that. Well, we will have to see one way or the other, but uh, yeah. Anyway, like you said, it uh, it should be an interesting matchup, and hopefully, uh, you know, things will. Well, from my point of view, hopefully, go the way. <laughs> uh, hopefully, go the way that we want them to. That's all right, Chris. You can go ahead and say, it. of course, we want to win. So, you well, know, yeah, it's like, of course, <laughs> we want to win. So, all right. Well, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SBNation dot com, talking Bears Vikings. Week number 15, Chris, it's great to have you on again, and uh, we'll see if we can manufacture a reason to have you back sometime in the future, all right? Not a problem, Larry. Always a pleasure to be on. Thank you very much. Always fun to have Chris on the show, a great sport, and uh, we do appreciate him being on the show considering, uh, you know, he's in Germany and there's a seven-hour time difference between us here in the in the central time zone and out there uh, in, in, in Germany, so going to great lengths to, to be here uh, on the show, so we do appreciate that. Uh, next week, uh, Sander Phillips uh, from the uh, from Bucks Nation on uh, – on SBNation.com, and uh, he'll be on the show with us uh, next week uh, trying to figure out how that's going to work. He's in the Netherlands, which I think is another hour time difference uh, between us and and, uh, and even where Chris is. Uh, so uh, we'll see how uh, we can get those, uh, those schedules lined up so that uh, we can make that happen and get Sander on the show. He was one of our first guests that we had uh, during the summer, and uh, the way with the schedule has fallen and so on that uh, he may be one of the he's going to be the one of the last that we're going to have on uh, before we close out the uh, the regular season. So and of course, Jeremy Reisman that we had during week six uh, will will most likely be back for us to close out the year uh, for week 17. So um, just a quick reminder uh, before we wrap up here, um, the uh, spread the word contest for the uh, official 
Chicago Bears review poster designed by yours truly. Uh, go ahead and spread the word uh, for the show. Get the get the word out there that the Chicago Bears review does exist. And if you're a Bears fan and you're not listening, you are missing out. And uh, obviously that is my opinion. But uh, I would like for it to be yours. And if it is, tell everyone who will listen that they need to be listening to me and us as Bear fans. Uh, you know, this is the podcast you want to be listening to if you are a Chicago Bears fan. Listen to the Chicago Bears review, uh, you know, because we've only been at it for nine years. And I think it's about time that people found out about us. So, um, you know, go ahead, uh, retweet the the show announcements on on Twitter. Uh, repost the uh the show announcement on Facebook, uh, you know, any other uh, social media that you might be a part of, Google Plus or, or, or Tumblr or, you know, whatever you got out there, uh, you know, if you can, you know, retweet that or, you know, reblog it or whatever the hell they're calling it on the other social media sites, uh, let me know about it. You will earn points, top point getters at the end of the, the last show, which will be the, uh, the Week 17 review episode um for the lions and the bears uh the that's the the eight shows starting uh this uh, starting last week with the redskin shows all the way through these uh these last six uh five i guess would be with this six six yeah six because we haven't done a review obviously um this is the preview so this is one of the last this is three of eight basically is, is where we're at right now so you got uh this and the other five, so you got six shows. If you haven't gotten started yet, uh, to build up your point total, the winners will be announced on the year in review show. Right now, I'm I'm targeting trying to see if I can get Jeff Dickerson to come back on uh, to that show uh, with us. So we'll see what we can do uh, for that. So that is the plan uh, at the moment, uh, anyway. So uh, spread the word out any way that you can. Uh, if you haven't already, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, put a place to comment on the Podbean uh, page. That's cbrpodcast.podbean.com is the homepage uh, for the Chicago Bears review on our on our host site. And, uh, you know, anything else in between. You know, Aaron McCubbin, who's our current leader uh, right now, uh, has a, a local high school team that he follows and, and such. He reposted the Chicago Bears review announcement and such on there. You know, just to kind of give you an out of box thinking of uh, how to go ahead and uh, do that. So uh, as long as uh, you show me proof that you're making the efforts, I'll give you the points for it. And uh, like I said, we'll announce two winners on the year in review episode uh, for the posters. All right. So just real quick, um, you know, we covered a lot over talking to Chris. Um, Basically, what I think the Bears need to do to win this game, I think it's very simple. Um we have to do everything that we did for about the first 50 minutes of the game the first time around against, uh, against Minnesota because basically we were dominating the Vikings. Uh, aside from the fact that we were deficient, as we have been all year, in getting the ball in the end zone, settling for field goals and such like that, aside from that, Teddy Bridgewater's contributions to the offense were virtually non-existent until those last – a uh, few minutes until that uh, that touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs, that uh, basically that Hail Mary jump ball that he threw out there to Charles Johnson that got them in, in field goal range. Before any of those things happened in the latter half of the fourth quarter, the Bears had that game by the short and curlies, man. They were dominating that game, looked like they were well on their way to getting another home victory uh, against the Vikings. And, um, you know, basically if the Bears were to repeat that performance, 
Um, that would be a fantastic thing. The other thing that we need to avoid is that I think that was one of the last games, if not the last game, where the Bears gave up a big play on special teams. We gave up the punt return uh, for a touchdown on special teams uh, in that football game. I do believe that was the last time that it happened, but it was such an epidemic at that point. It was a here-we-go-again uh, kind of moment uh, when it happened is like no this time instead of kickoffs it was a punt return if we can eliminate the, that mistake obviously we want to get off because we got killed by penalties and such against the against the Redskins this past week um, be more disciplined uh, in that area avoid the holding penalties because that does nothing but hurt the offense uh, over and over again you know the Bears played the right way in order to beat Minnesota the first time around it's just that you know they didn't get the memo that it was a 60-minute game and, you know, nobody wins for winning the first 53 minutes. So, you know, you got to be uh, you got to be in, in the lead when the clock strikes zero after 60. And, uh, you know, if it was a 51, 52-minute game, the Bears would have been golden. But unfortunately, it wasn't. We came up short, uh, you know, and the Vikings came out with a victory that uh, basically they didn't deserve. So, you know, basically we allowed them to hang around and the Vikings did what good teams do, which is you come out and you win those games in the end. Unfortunately, the Bears uh, have proven themselves not to be as good uh, by losing games the last two weeks against the Vikings, excuse me, the Redskins and the um, uh, 49ers. And, uh, you know, that's been an unfortunate thing. So instead of a, uh, you know, a seven and six team, uh, you know, still on the outskirts, but only a game out of the playoff hunt, and this would be a huge, huge game uh, going into it. It's five and eight, and we're trying to salvage a 500 season uh, at this point, playing for pride uh, more than anything at, at this point. But um, that's that's pretty much how I feel. The Bears needed to play. They 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 played perfectly for the most part uh, throughout the the first 50 plus minutes of the game, and you know, it was those it was the last half of the fourth quarter that was our death knell. Uh, in that game against Minnesota, giving up those big plays on offense to um, to Diggs and then that, that Hail Mary that got them in field goal range uh, and such. Because the only touchdown that the Vikings scored before that was the punt return. We had basically only allowed three points on offense for the Vikings aside from that, uh, that punt return. The, the defense played awesome in that game until those, until the final moments. So, you know that's why I'm saying it basically we just have to repeat what we did the first time around and we'll be fine. We absolutely will be fine. So it's, uh, that's basically all I have to say uh, about that. If we, if we do what we did before the final moments of the fourth quarter and avoid a special teams blunder, the bears did all they needed to do to win that game, except hang on at the very end. So, uh, you know, we eliminate a couple of big plays and the bears walk away with a pretty decent victory, uh, over the Vikings, uh, earlier in the year. Unfortunately, that did not happen. So, um, but if they want to be successful uh, this time, I would just go back and watch that tape. Watch that tape because we did what we needed to do to win the game, but we just fell short uh, in the end because, you know, like I said, we didn't play a full 60-minute game against the Vikings the first time around. So that's, that's pretty much how I feel. It's like no real big strategies because they got after Bridgewater, Adrian Peterson, he got 100 yards, but he wasn't a key factor in the football game. You know what I mean? And, you know, Bridgewater was was hanging on for dear life. We got after him uh, and, you know, was a virtual non-factor there right until the very end. So we eliminate that special teams blunder and we do what we did for the first 50 plus minutes of the game on defense. 
I think we'll walk away with a pretty easy victory against the Vikings this time around. So, um, you know, we'll see. I think the Bears can definitely do it. I don't think the Vikings are so elite or so tough that uh, we won't be able to do it. But, um, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, can the Bears snap the the curse in Minnesota? And, uh, you know, can we rebound from these two embarrassing losses against these teams that that weren't supposed to be as good as the Bears, that aren't as good uh, as the Bears, that weren't favored to win? I mean, both those teams were favored to lose against the Bears in Chicago, came away with victories. Can the Bears, being an on-the-road underdog, can they pull it out like they did a few weeks ago uh, in Green Bay, get another division win, which would be huge uh, as well? Because not only are we playing for 500 with our total record, we're trying to play 500 in the division because you know we were 0-3 in the division before we finally won that game against Green Bay on Thanksgiving. We got Minnesota this week, and then in two weeks we got uh, Detroit to see if we can't go 3-3 three and three in the division, which would also be a nice building block going into 2016. So that is going to do it for the Week 15 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Be sure to come back on Monday when we will review this game, see how it all went down. Did the Bears repeat their performance in the positive, as in did they do what they were doing in the first 50 minutes or so when they had control of the football game, or did they give it away uh, like they had uh, in the final moments of the fourth quarter? And we're talking about a 5-9 and nine Bears team. So... We will see. So until then, uh, come back on Monday. Be sure to spread the word for the uh, for the show. Uh, just get us out there. Let the no world that we let the world know that we exist and that Chicago Bears review is where every Chicago Bear fan needs to be uh, when it comes to finding podcast entertainment out there for our beloved uh, Chicago Bears. So we'll see you on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears review. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.